Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are at episode four of the Mind Your Old Podcast. This is Timbo, aka Tim, aka little dude over there. <laughs> <laughs> We're here live in the color with the, the man, the man, the legend, Sonny, aka Big Steel, Urban Gardener. Talk to him, Sonny. What's going on? Uh, not much, man. You know, we're going to be talking about uh, food shortages. So, according to Feeding America, there's one in nine Americans that don't eat. And that's over 37 million. Of that 37 million, 11 million children are part of that. That is crazy. Wow. Man, that is crazy. And um, the USDA defines food insecurity as a lack of consistent access to food or active healthy life. So like it's like this is this is mad, bro. Like for real. Like it, like you wouldn't think that it's that many people not eating. That's that's crazy. Yeah. And you think about like, you know, you got a lot of restaurants that throw food away. And that that's crazy. It don't make no sense, man. Like they they throw food away. They literally throw it away. I remember I was working at a uh, subway when I was in college, and um, the manager would always say, "Like, hey, you know, the subs that uh, get messed up or whatever, you don't want them. You know, just sit them in the back, and then you know they they write them off or whatever. But then they throw them in the garbage, and and you know that was yeah, that, that was so that's so crazy to me because I'm like. You know, it's it's like you throwing food away, and it's it's people out here starving. And the fact that they're writing it off on their taxes, like, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 another thing they they're writing it off. So I'm like, if you're gonna write it off, why not just give it to somebody and let them eat it? I would rather give it to somebody and let them eat it, <laughs> throw it in the trash. Yeah, they say one man's trash is another man's treasure, and that's 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 definitely some treasure, something good to eat. This is this is very true. And um, also, you know, I did uh, I did the state of Florida, and it's um over two million people that go without food. That's like one out of every eight. And of those two million, over seven hundred thousand kids that don't eat, that's like one in every six. And wow! It's, and it's crazy. And it says, listen to this, right? There's an additional one billion four hundred forty-four million four hundred seventy-two thousand money needed. Per year to meet the food that's crazy that like, is that, crazy and that's just that's just in the state of florida that's just in florida i can only imagine like california was probably double the number the numbers are probably double you know places like new york you know where the numbers are probably like double or triple like it's it's crazy man like what, what do you what do you think about all this stuff Man, this is wild. like uh like you mentioned in california it's it's over four million people struggling to eat and of that four million, it's it's one point two million that are children. So that's over thirty percent of the kids in California that that going to school hungry, going to bed hungry. Like just imagine, like think about. Um, I'm an adult. Like when I when I when I'm hungry, I can't I can't function properly. Like I'm not making the best decisions. I don't want to. I, I, it's so much. I can't. I, I'm I'm running on fumes. So I'm not working at peak performance. And so just you know those kids, they they can't possibly. Bo- be operating at peak performance because they they trying to figure out what like how I'm gonna eat, <laughs> what I'm gonna eat, when I'm gonna eat, you know. Like so, your mind is all over the place when you need something to eat. And then even in in Missouri, so I'd be bouncing back and forth. In in Missouri, it's um 
about 800,000 people that are uh, struggling with food and then about 200,000 children that are struggling with food. So that's about 25%. So um, when I did my research, it looks like it's about 25% of the, the population in the U.S. that are struggling to eat and about 25% of children that are struggling to eat and get the, the resources that they need so they can actually eat and everything. So it's, it's definitely important to start growing your food. Now, you don't have to be an adult to grow your own food. You eat baby, child, whatever, we all got to eat. It's literally everybody got to eat. So this is this is the perfect time to, to get started on growing your own food. Definitely. Uh, that brings me to this to this next part, right? So urban farming. Do, do you think urban farming can help with world hunger? Can it help solve problems with world hunger? Because this, this is not just a an American thing. The the hunger thing is is like worldwide. Because you know yeah, you got the global you, pandemic. Yeah, you, you got more countries becoming more developed. And um, you know, the urban areas are just you know, in the I think by twenty thirty, there's gonna be like double the people living in, in urban areas. And this is like worldwide, not just America, it's worldwide. So yeah. I believe, you know, Urban farming is the future, especially when it comes to feeding people, making sure people are eating everything. But, you know, you got issues here because, you know, along urban farming, there's going to have to be some type of system in place to make sure everyone is treated equally. You know, because, you, you know, you, you, have, you have a system put in place, but there's no one there to really regulate it to make sure it's run correctly. Like they don't put people in to make sure it's, it's run the proper way, and if they do, it's like the budget is so small. You know, they they they're running a big system trying to distribute on a skeleton group. Yeah, you know that's causes problems. You know, major problems. Yeah, I definitely uh, I agree with uh, you said that urban farming is a way of the future. Like um, that's that's honestly going to be the the only real way that we can really make sure that everybody has food like um especially looking at um the work you've done working in different community gardens and everything like that so i definitely got to commend you on that i'm stepping up my game and working in community gardens because there's so many kids that are around me and like uh on a personal level but also just on a on a proximity level and some of them they real skinny um you know, I don't know what their situation is or anything like that. And I don't know what their eating habits are, but I know everybody likes to eat. <laughs> so if I can do something like just a little bit more with making sure that everybody is actually eating, uh, I think that'll definitely make a drastic change. Definitely do. Um, so like, it looks like it's going to be a lot more urban agriculture going on. And um, urban Agriculture is like vertical farming, rooftop gardens, and stuff like that. Uh, these are becoming more popular. You're going to see a lot more of these popping up, in, especially in, in the urban areas. But check this out, right? So listen to this. One patch of Detroit land where 12 vacant houses were removed to grow food. It supplied almost 2,000 grams of produce and fed 2,000 local families. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's just off of like a, you know, vacant land. Like, they took the, the, the space and converted it, you know. And, that, and, you know, that's like one of the reasons why I was talking about, like, going to Detroit because I think just Detroit just is it's a lot of opportunity there for, for 
you know, urban agriculture. I, I see a lot of opportunity there. I see a lot of opportunity in, in Missouri. Um, there's so many vacant buildings or, or abandoned buildings um, or just like plots of land that they don't have anything on them growing, but like just the grass and whatever else is growing at weeds, you know. And that's I definitely see a lot of opportunity with making sure that, like I said, more people are, are, are being able to eat. Like imagine just going a few houses down to get some greens or spinach or broccoli versus having to go all the way to the grocery store. Yeah, that's true. That's right. And, and then it's it's fresher anyway because when you you know when you can go straight to the to where it's being grown and get it, it's it's you know it's it's way better. Um, yeah. Like I say previously, you know the, the stuff in the store is not what they make it seem to be because a lot of the stuff has already been sitting up for days before it even get into the grocery store. You know, so it, I, I believe, you know, urban agriculture or urban farming is, you know, the way to go, especially when it comes to having a healthier option of food because the food, you know, when you cut that collard green off the stem or that lettuce, that romaine lettuce, it's, you know, fresh from where it's been growing and it goes, you wash it off, dry it, Boom! Right there on the plate, it's fresh. You got you're not missing no minerals or no nutrients out of that when it's that fresh. And and the I, I think one big uh, huge benefit of growing your own food is you you having that sense of pride of like I grew this, like this came from my hands, yes. like from the work from my hands. And and like you said, like that you getting all the nutrients and everything, you getting all the love that you put into it. You get it back poured and poured back into you. Um, it's 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 a, a twofold. Definitely, I remember, man. I, I had some um, some collard greens and some mustard green. Man, they were so beautiful. I didn't even want to eat them. They were so, <laughs> so gorgeous, man. I, I I was like, man, I don't want to eat these. They they too pretty to eat. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. <laughs> I think um, another uh, problem uh, urban agriculture would help with is. Um, you know, the em- emissions and pollutants and stuff. Because a lot of people don't know, like, with traditional farming, soil farming, you know, when they're trying to make this stuff grow fast or whatever, a lot of these chemicals and stuff are fertilizers that they use. It, it hurts, you know, the ecosystem. Right? You know, because uh, I know here in Florida, um, and I want to say around up in, where is that, like, up in, not I would say Bell Glade up in up in the sugar cane fields and stuff. A lot of these fertilizers that they use or whatever, it goes into the water system. Like it goes through the soil and it goes through the aquifers and it ends up in the water system. And and a lot of times this creates a a problem in the water. I think I, I think it, it you know it messes with the oxygen level and you see a lot of fish turning up dead. Um, I think with urban aquaculture, agriculture, I'm sorry, urban agriculture, uh, it's going to, you know, help. It's going to help protect the environment. You know, and I believe, you know, with with more uh, with, with more people uh, or more urban farmers using old buildings and stuff like that and using more hydrophonic setups and aquaponic setups, it's going to help take the burden off the the planet, you know, the planet to be able to replenish itself. Uh, that's, yeah. And that's that, that's another problem also because a lot of people don't know, you know, with soil farming, you know, you, you always have to 
putting nutrients back into that soil to keep you know growing your crops or rotate your crops around. You always have to put back into the into the um, soil. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know your soil become arid and you won't be able to grow anything. And to your to your point about the um, the issue with the the fish coming up dead and all of that, I think a lot of times. Like and also with the nutrients being uh, added back into the the soil, is some people are using um, inorganic chemicals to grow. Um, which, I mean, there's 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 a debate on whether you should use it or shouldn't use it, and like what grows better and all of that. Um, I I grow organic and also use the the chemical bit. Like, um, so I, I'm I'm for it either way. But I think a lot of times, a lot of people, they don't, they just pour those excess uh, nutrients when they do the chemical base. They just pour those excess um, nutrients into, like, down the down the toilet and things like that versus maybe pour yeah. into the soil um, or even, like, in having an, an additional garden to, to feed the those other plants. So if you're growing tomatoes or cucumbers, for example, using those extra excess nutrients imported into maybe your rose garden, you know, things like that yeah. to make sure you're using all of what you have in the right amounts, you know. Yeah, definitely. Waste not want not. We, we we have to use every last bit that we have and point it into the soil that's definitely gonna Oh, like what what do you see the future? Like do you do you see urban agriculture really, you know, taking off and supplying the world with what's missing as far as people not eating uh, yeah um so i'm i'm very hopeful with the with the future with urban agriculture and indoor cultivation like um both those combined because just because you're uh in an urban area doesn't mean you're growing indoors um and so something that you mentioned earlier was like people growing on their rooftops and something that is a phrase is often used is the sky's the limit mm. so with people growing on rooftops, they have access to all of the best, in my opinion. Like they're gonna get the best lighting. Like you, you don't have to worry about anything obstructing the view, obstructing the sunlight. You're gonna get the, the uh, most. Like you're gonna get the first uh, waters. You know, from like when it rains. You know, things like that. Mm. So you're you're, you're kind of like at a huge advantage growing on the rooftop. Um, and then growing indoors, you have to manage the, envir- the indoor environment and things like that. So I really see urban farming and, and indoor cultivate, like both, like really taking over and helping so many people that are struggling to eat. And even people that aren't, may not be struggling to eat, they can share, you know, like because some people, they may be li- like where they live, there may not be any outside land that they can grow on or there may not be any space indoors that they can grow in, you know, because some people, they have so many people in their homes, you know, sharing this, this small space of it. I mean, they're utilizing everything they have as far as where people can live, but then like they need help. They may need a little extra help with uh, getting something to eat and make sure every, everybody in the home has enough and the adequate amount of foods that they need so they can thrive. Definitely. What about you? What do you, what do you think about the future? What do you see? Um, I, I definitely see a, a future that's going to be dependent on the urban farmer, like heavily dependent on the urban urban farmer. Because I, I believe, like I say, with the people, there's going to be more and more people wanting from the farm to the 
plate mm-hmm. that take that freshness. It's gonna be more and more people demanding that because, like I say, when you when you're at these stores, you know, I don't, I, and it doesn't even matter if it's Whole Foods because they're the same way to me too. Because like when you when you put these stuff in the stores and it's you know being transferred by by a truck, we don't know how long. It's been sitting there, and the longer it sits up, the more nutrition leaves, especially when it's cut from the root system. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the only way to to solve that is, you know, the rise of more urban farmers in urban cities. Oh, I see that, you know, yeah. being taken care of. I think we got two of the best on the on the on the line right now, but <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Of course, I'm gonna be a little bit biased. Just a little bit. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with tooting your own horn. You gotta be like, be that way sometimes. You see how Muhammad Ali was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we still talk about him to this day. Definitely. We still study him to this day. So. I know I do. Uh, herb. The herb I want to talk about is uh, Damiana. Now, Damiana is a smokable herb, so you know you, you can you can mix this in into your cannabis, or you can smoke it the way it is. You can mix, mix it with other smokable herbs, but Damiana is an ancient aphrodisiac. It helps with depression. It can be euphoric if you if you smoke it. It can have a, a slight um, feeling of euphoria. Uh, it can help with headaches. It can help regulate PMS cycles, and it may help. With menopause. Oh wow! And, and you said that was Damiana. Yeah, Damiana. Wow. I, I never, I never heard of that before, but I'm, I'm glad you, glad you put me on. Yeah, so like you, you know, take it and you know, mix it, mix it into your cannabis. I used to be uh, I used to use uh, my favorite because uh, I, I do, I do herbal smokes too. I don't just use cannabis. I, you know, sometimes I do herbal smokes and. I would take Damiana, passion flower, and lavender and mix them together into a, into a smoke blend. And, you know, it's the perfect combination because you got the, the passion flower that, that, you know, helps, you know, your your muscles relax. And then Damiana, that gives you that slight little euphoric feeling. So it was a perfect, perfect combination. You can make a tea with that also. You don't have to smoke it. You can make it. Also. So, uh, for the the strain that I'll be talking about today is a uh, Blue Dream. Um, it's Ooh. one of those classic uh, sativa dominant hybrid. Um, a, a mix of uh, blueberry and haze. Something that uh, I found is it having that full body effects, not just like all mind or not just all body, but the whole thing. Um, and with it being the whole thing, I usually get a, a good a good balance um, to help with like my mind, be, like going all over the place. It kind of slows it down, but also getting some pain relief, um, which, I mean, I'm, I, I think I take pretty good care of myself, but also, I mean, I don't know anybody that, that doesn't hurt every from time to time. You know, I would say that's, that's one of those, those strains that I think everybody should indulge in and, 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 and enjoy um, from a aroma standpoint. Uh, very fruity herbal. Um, smells like blueberries. <laughs> um, uh, tastes like it as well, which like you, you can't beat that flavor. Um, I, I'm a very big fan of blueberries and like berries in general. But also, like I said, uh, it, it helps with the full body. It helps with depression. Helps with pain relief. 
uh, it's definitely it's definitely a go to for me. Yeah, I, I've had Blue Dream one time. It's definitely a nice. It's definitely a nice um nice strand. Very nice. I love it. So for the question of the day, um, we'll do we'll, it'll kind of be in line with uh, what, like the topic of the day. And I, I, I'm I'm curious to know from the audience as well as from us, we kind of shared what we what we think. Um, but I guess we can kind of reinforce it. Um, but specifically, ask uh, what are some ways where we can help our respective communities to ensure that children aren't going hungry and being hungry, and as well as adults, like we can all eat. What are some ways, some things that we can do and some ways that we can accomplish making sure that we all eat? That's a great question, man. Um, I was, I was like, I was asking this, it's not the same question, but similar because I'm in the, um, you know, the University of Florida Master Garden program trying to become mm-hmm. certified. But, you know, I asked a question like, because, you know, in my neighborhood, there's a lot of, uh, vacant lots and stuff and I asked a question like okay like who who do we talk to to see if we can you know get a vacant lot and grow um, food because I, I, I believe like each neighborhood should have the ability to grow vegetables and fruits for their own community I, I think that will you know help out a whole lot if that could be done you know, each community each neighborhood has their own community garden and um, you know you have a person over it, but you also can have volunteers to come and and help out. I, I think that would help with kids not eating. I think because if you have the food to grow, I mean, because you know if you can grow collars or whatever, grow enough collars or whatever, you know, it's you can make an easy meal. You know, you have your collars, a bag of rice or whatever grain you like, and you know, boom, you got a meal. Yeah. You know? But I believe, you know, something, if something like that comes into play, I think that'll help ease the people being hungry and stuff. But um, there's something I'm really, I'm really trying to do, though. I'm really trying to, you know, see who I can talk to about vacant lots here. You know, it's a, it's a long process. I know it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I'm going I'm to keep doing it until I find something. You know, somebody, the mayor, maybe I got to go knock on the mayor's door, sit in front of his door every day. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? What do you think? Uh, I, I, I think similarly, um, I think like in at least in St. Louis and as well as in San Diego, it's, a, it's quite a few vacant lots and buildings that could be used so that more people can have food in, in like in their communities, in their homes, all of that. Uh, something that I'm I'm really working towards and working on is like helping people in like I've been going over to d- different people's homes to see um to help them with their gardens. So like if they, they need help with uh, this and that, like uh, when to plant outside, when not to plant outside, like how do we get, actually get the seed started and everything. So that way, if they, once you have it started, like when it's time to start plant outside and you, you'll be steps ahead versus having to start completely fresh and it's late, like you, you being late to the game, you can still, you know, get a good harvest then depending on the, the plant. But, um, making sure that you you you're on the right track and like staying staying the course so that way you can have food like this summer, winter you know hopefully until next year and we can run it back you know. 
Definitely. So with that in mind, um, we'd love to hear what you you all have to say. Let us know in the comments. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Instagram at Mind Your Herbs Podcast. And uh, yeah, tune in for next week's episode.